Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends. We have teamed up with Dr. Jandy Schwartz from the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center and Dr. Carol Weaver, PhD in English and the Literature, to offer our newest program, our Breast Cancer Book Club. Now, just like everything we do, this is not your typical average book club. We are intentionally reading books across all genres and all topics except for cancer. Cancer plays a large enough role in our lives. This Breast Cancer Book Club is for those of us diagnosed with breast cancer, looking to connect with others in the community over the commonalities such as reading, discussion, and losing ourselves in a good read. We recently read the book, A Most Beautiful Thing by Arshay Cooper. Today's podcast captures Mr. Arshay Cooper's surprise guest appearance on our virtual book club discussion, where we were fortunate enough to ask him a few questions. Arshay, thank you so much for joining us today. You are a light of inspiration and hope, and it is a true honor to have you as a guest. Thank you, Jandy and Carol, for creating the questions and moderating the interview. And if you're interested in finding out more information about our book club, check out our website, survivingbreastcancer.org. And under the tab, Events, Webinars, and Programs, you'll see a drop-down for our Breast Cancer Book Club. Let's take it away. Welcome to the conversation. And I think I just saw our Shay pop up. Yeah, I'm here. What's up, everybody? <gasps> Welcome! Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, please. So our book club did not know you were coming and we were keeping this under wraps for the long time. So (laughs) it's such an honor to have you join us this morning. It's so crazy. Like I just watched you last night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited to be with you guys. Welcome, everyone. I know we're going to get some people still chiming in and logging on. I know it always takes a good five minutes for everyone to get the video and audio connected in this COVID day and age. But um, to to kick things off, um, I'm Laura Carfing, uh, the founder and breast cancer survivor of survivingbreastcancer.org. And so for our Shay's benefit, we are a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to supporting those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers and families really from day one through and beyond, because we know a cancer diagnosis doesn't just end when treatment ends. It's something that we're constantly managing, you know, through survivorship, through thrivership, and even years after. And we were connected, uh, fortunately enough, with Dr. Jandy Schwartz from uh, UPMC in Pittsburgh. And she had this brilliant idea of creating a book club to really take our mind off of the day to day of cancer. This is not your typical book club. This is not your typical, we're going to read about cancer survivors, et cetera. We're here to have fun, explore various genres, and then also bring the community together where, yes, cancer connects us all, but at the same time, we all have different hobbies, different and uh, things that we enjoy doing. And we also partnered with Dr. Carol Weaver um, as well, who's joining us, whose background is a PhD in literature. And she is wonderful to kind of help us navigate the the literature. And so it is such an honor and wonderful surprise to our book club members to have the author of this book that we all just devoured and loved. So RJ Cooper, welcome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you all. Thank you all for having me. Thank you for reading the book. Thank you, Jandy, for showing a lot of a lot of love uh, on, on Instagram. So 
Um, appreciate it. So super, super excited to, uh, to be with you all again. I think everyone read the book and possibly saw the film, right? Yes, yes. yes. Arshay, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jandy. We've been talking a lot online, I know. Really, really appreciate it. We are so, so thrilled that you are here joining us. Um, and this is actually, you were our first book club pick. And as soon as I read your book, I knew that I wanted it to be the first pick for our book club, um, just the struggles you went through. I think parallel a lot of the challenges um, the breast cancer patients face and even our survivors and looking forward to the future. So uh, I'd love to ask you a few questions if that's okay. Yes, of course. Wonderful. So like we so much enjoyed your book. We all devoured it, got through it so quick. What moved you to actually sit down and write the book and write about your experience? Yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, I was a chef for a long time. I was a culinary instructor after traveling for a while being a chef. And, and you know, I started, when I started working in a school in Brooklyn in the Marcy Projects as an instructor, a lot of young people um, who grew up like I did, had all these questions on, you know, what's the roadmap to success, right? And and they they just shared so many different stories and their mothers were on drugs and mothers were even murdered and it's just so many stories. And I formed this program with all those young guys and, and I started to see them succeed and do a lot better. And, um, you know, and then I went back home to Chicago and spoke at a school and got the same exact questions that these young people had just on a one doing a, a, a speaking engagement. And that's when I said to myself, I don't know anything about writing a book, but uh, I feel like that this message about me and my brothers that were on a team should be out there to the world. And and I um, got a hotel room, locked myself in a hotel room for one week and I'm talking about maybe watch a thousand videos on how to write a memoir and how to start and, and, and all these great, you know, really mentored by all these great um, authors just through YouTube. And then I was like, all right, I'm ready to start writing. And uh, it's the the writing process has been therapy for me to just kind of, you know, let go and release some of those things that I've been holding in for so long and for so many years. And uh, it was, it was beautiful and to be able to connect with the guys and, and talk about those stories again and, and talk to my mother about some of those things that I experienced as a kid. So it was actually healing for all of us. It was great for all of us to get back and, and kind of talk through those things. That's wonderful. Wow. How long did it actually take you to write the the book itself? And are there any like fun bumps you hit along the road or fun stories from your time trying to write it? Yeah, it, it took uh, I mean, on and off like two years, you know, that I, I would write and it was great. And there was many times where I was like, I, I, I can't continue to talk about this no more. And I like closed my laptop and didn't, don't, I wouldn't visit it for like a couple months. And then I would see something and watch a movie and be inspired and, and then go mm-hmm. back to it, you know. And I think the the fun part was really just kind of like, you know, Calling everybody, calling Grace, you know, talking to talking to everybody, and revisiting these events, and meeting with the guys again, and and getting back on the water just for that feeling, right? It's like trying to remember what it felt like, the pain, the, the therapy, and all those things. Like that was the fun part, just hanging out with the guys. And, and again, it was you know, there's certain things in your life 
like a bad breakup where you say, I never want to relive that again, you know, but writing this book was reliving all those things again. You had to put yourself there. And, but, you know, but the lives that have changed, the amount of messages from, from young people, um, from people like from Harvard class of 67, who was this rich billionaire to a police officer, to uh, teachers who have all learned something and all want to do something now be, or understand, right? Like sometimes we look at the media and we hear about Chicago and, and they give you the eyesight, but without the insight, right? And so um, to, those messages um, keeps me going. That's so great. I, I love hearing that. Um, I mean, your story has just touched so many people and continues to do so. And it's so thrilling and appropriate that A Most Beautiful Thing is now a documentary. I think a good number of us have all watched it and it, it was such a great addition to your story. Um, how, how did the documentary even happen? And can you talk a little bit about what filming it, especially in the times we're in today, was like? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, Rowan teaches you to, to kind of to take risk and kind of go after it, right? And, and I have always lived my life like that. And, you know, after writing the book, you know, I was like, hey, people say it needs to be a film. So, you know, and I'll, I, I'm a big fan of documentaries. So I was like, I'll go to the documentary route first. And so I went on Twitter tweeting everyone, hey, what, you know, read this book. It should be a doc, right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, no one responded. And, and I got a message like a couple months later from this Olympic rower who's a filmmaker who had done a lot of great films. And she was like, hey, just read your book. It was awesome. And I looked up her work and I was like, oh, gosh, she's and she was a roar. She'd be great. And I remember messaging her and said, hey, I would love to, to do a doc. She's like, you had me at, you know, and um, and I was like, and so we talked on the phone. But I was like, I feel like you need to come to Chicago. And so me, me and Alvin took on a ride along. And and um, and I was like, you know, uh, usually, you know, she's like, I'm all in. I was like, usually we go for Morgan Freeman, but I want Common to narrate this film. So let's try to go go for Common. And, uh, and, and you know, and it was all your own. And I think for her, it was very, she wanted, she's a rower. So she's like, hey, you know, she believed in access and opportunity for everyone to be a part of this great sport. But, um, you know, it, it was a, it was the story of our life in the 90s. and. Um, and the coaches, and I remember it didn't, you know, it seemed well, but I remember going home and sketching a whole outline. And I was like, less coaches, we need the mothers. Um, we need a comeback race. We need the comeback and race and show young people that we can do it. And then even apart with the cops, it wasn't until like halfway through the whole filming process, it wasn't even an outline. Um, I was like, I want to go a different direction with this, right? And, uh, you know, we could talk more about that. Uh, if you have questions about that, but that's kind of how the process worked. Wow, that's wonderful. I, I love hearing how it evolved as you went. I mean, that's so true with, uh, I think, a lot of our experiences that what you start out thinking might not be the finished product and you kind of adapt and change along the way to make things fit. So that's, that's wonderful to hear that. Um, one more question I have for you before maybe we open it up to hear what the group has to say. What are the next steps for you? Are you thinking about another book, another film? Yeah, so there's a few things. So you know what? There's a there's a couple feature uh, film uh, opportunities and one TV series opportunity. So we're deciding on that, right? Um, 
you know, Pookie and, and the guys are like, how much money we get until so I... <laughs> That's gonna take a while to kind of get through that. All. <laughs> uh, so that I mean, that is awesome. Uh, we are working with members of Congress now around mental health and trauma in Chicago. Uh, the members of Congress um, held a, a, a virtual event to watch the film, and uh, you know, me and uh, the director and a few others are, are really, um, you know, really spent a lot of time learning about trauma, intergenerational trauma and mental health, especially at places like the West Side of Chicago. So now the members of Congress are really excited to work together on, on that. We started our most, be- most Beautiful Thing Inclusion Fund, which will bring, we raised a lot of money in like a few months, which will bring growing into schools like Manly High School, but throughout the country. And so this year we're gonna launch um, uh, a few programs in Baltimore, Newark, Newburgh, New York, Stockton, California, and uh, uh, of course, continue to work with Chicago and possibly Minnesota. So that's uh, that's some of the uh, exciting uh, things that are happening. Wonderful! That that is so exciting. I'm thrilled for you, and I can't wait to see what comes next. Um, I think at this point, I'll turn it over to Laura and Dr. Carroll and um, see what they have to say. Thank you so much. And actually, thank you for the deep explanation about all of this. I have to share my little uh, 15 minutes of fame. I am from Chicago originally. I'm now living in Boston, but reading your book, and I think we might be around the same age, or like in the 90s in high school, et cetera, the bulls, the three-peat, repeat, but everything you described, and this is a testament to people also in our book club that your language and the way that you described like the underducks and the passage of the highways or the lagoons and rowing like even the I think you made a comment about like the language you call your friends right like what up Joe I was like oh my god that's so true like that's what we did and so it was just I was in your book reliving the 90s in Chicago and can just wanted to share with our book club members that you know, your writing is exceptional and vivid, and I really appreciate that. Um, I, would, I know there's a couple um, comments and accolades in the chat as well that you could read, but I would love to open it up if there's anyone um, in our group that would like to ask Arshay a question as we are closing in on, on his 20 minutes of time this morning. If you want to unmute yourself. Any shy takers? This this is Marie Janot. Can you hear me? Yes. I, I really... I, I really enjoyed the book, and I agree. This is a, a great message, and it shows how important mentors are and also how important the individual, namely you, Arshay, are. And I'm, I'm wondering, is this a required reading, or can you put it on a reading list for, for students? I, I think all would benefit from reading it. Yeah, you know, uh, good question. The publishers are working on that now. Uh, you know, public schools uh, – uh, doing COVID, the last thing on their list is trying to figure that out, right? But we are working hard, and they are so open to it, and we've been working working at it, and not just for for public schools, right? But I think for all students, no matter where they're from or ethnicity, I think we'll, this book will be important for all to read, and we're definitely pushing towards that. Great, thanks. Here's, Dr. Carol Weaver. It reminds me of a classic, uh, a modern-day odyssey. You know, the, uh, Odysseus was a great uh, soldier in the Homeric Wars. But what, what you go through 
is so inspiring and the book is so accessible. Um, I think Dr. Dinat's uh, suggestion is great because it really does show you what discipline and having a good mentor uh, can do for you if you are your intention is so strong. Um, and I think this would be a great TV series. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, the mentor, you know, obviously Rowan changed my life. The experience with the water was just like, like beautiful, right? It, it was the mentor piece, but it was also the, the spiritual piece in the water. I, you go through a lot of trauma on the west side of Chicago, right? You, you, you experience a lot. You run for your life. You deal with a lot of different things. And basketball didn't work for me, really, because, you know, it's a trash-talking sport. And you hear things that adults and coaches say to you growing up, like you're garbage or you suck. You're never going to be good. And, and you, you, it triggers things in you. And you want to fight, and I see it all the time. And for football, you know, you have a coach that's like, knock them dead, and you're hurting each other, and then triggers a lot of trauma for, for young men. Not everyone, but for some. And for me, obviously, yes. Uh, but the fact that Rowan was non, no conflict, non-combative, right? And you pushed out there into open water. And the same um, survivor mode that tells you, if you hear a gunshot run, tells you in order to get back to the dock safely, you have to pull for each other. And when you, and to do that, you have to kind of shut up and listen, right? And you have the coach telling you to sit tall and breathe and telling you things like you belong here, you have a right to be here. And that's when the magic starts in the boat. And you build this magical connection that, that, that really takes over your, your emotions, your, your feeling, and, and it's meditative. Some people meditate a half hour a day and completely change their lives, but to be out there two hours a day downloading serenity, no police sirens, no gunshots, no bullying. And the sport is remnant, right? So it's a sport of, of healing. And then it becomes a sport of being competitive. It was, it was a beautiful moment for all of us. And it still is. And, you know, and then the second part, just having coaches who know it's not about just fast boats, right? But being a great human and, and contributing to your community. And I think that the lesson I've learned from them that I take every day is that if you can just eliminate one dream, your dreams become bigger. I was speaking at Harlem before COVID and, this, and I was asking every young person, what, what's your dream? And one kid was like, to eat at Chipotle. And, you know, I kind of thought he was kidding, right? But he wasn't. Like, when I was young, I couldn't, if Chipotle was there, I wouldn't be able to afford Chipotle. And I remember telling the counselor, I was like, here's 20 bucks. You have to make sure he eats Chipotle. Because if he eats uh, Chipotle, there's a new dream, right? It becomes bigger. The moment I went downtown, I never been out of town, I was like, I got to go out of town. And then when I went out of town, I was like, we need an overnight trip out of town, right? We went to Philly. And then we start moving faster. We have to race, right? So when if every one of us can eliminate one dream from someone's life, their dream becomes bigger. And, and, and that's what I learned from, from the coaches. Yes. Uh, Narshay, could, could you talk a little bit about teamwork? Uh, I, I think that was so profound. I have an old friend who's in his 80s, and he, he was a rower. And he says whenever he sees anybody who does, the, does this sport, he walks up to them and, and says what a wonderful period that was in his life so many years ago. But the teamwork 
seems to me to be very distinctive. Yeah, you know, it's it's understanding each other' weaknesses and strength. You're moving together uh, at the same time without any timeouts. Same level, um, no matter how tall you're short, you somehow have to find the rhythm and and move with each other. And 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 that chemistry doesn't really happen just inside the boat, but outside of the boat, right? And and that's one of the reasons I invited the uh, the cops out. You know, the lessons I learned as a young kid is that in order to find alignment, you have to refocus the lens, right? And I didn't like Alvin at first. I didn't even want him on the team. But when I sat next to him on that bus and he was telling me, like, you know, I don't fight only because I need help. And so I have to help others to do that, right? And I didn't think about it that way, right? He refocused my lens and and there was alignment in the boat, right? That right there, that connection, because if you're in a boat with them, if you don't like them, you're not going to want to really move with them. But when you can get to know each person individually, right, it helps you to, to find that connection, not only in the boat, but outside of the boat, right? And, and that's what I had to explain to the guys. You know, I, I told them, you know, the disconnect is not just between the different gangs, but also the black community and, and, and the police officer. And I said, you know, as a teacher, you will always forget some of your students, but as a student, you'll never forget your teacher. And we have an opportunity to be a teacher and, and, yeah. and, and to recast the narrative on Preston, who's one of the best entrepreneurs on the West side of Chicago, who Alvin, who hired high school seniors, boys and girls to, to, to work and to pay for their prom and their graduations. Malcolm, who calls his son every 10 minutes, right? These are the things that these cops in our neighborhood has learned in four months of training and more than that, right? And um, and so that teamwork is so important. I think Rowan does a really good job with allowing us to feel each other weaknesses, uh, pain, and and finding chemistry inside the boat and outside of the boat. Thank you. I think that's that's beautiful. I think one last question, and we talked a lot about teamwork and mentorship. Are you still in contact with your coaches and your mentors? Yeah, yeah, with with all of them. So. Uh, Ken and Jenny divorce, uh, you know, but they both live in New York. I live in New York. So uh, they have four kids though, and I'm very close with all those kids. They all pretty much uh, grown now almost, but um, very close with them. Coach Victor and Mark. It's yeah. I, all those coaches are great. It's, so Mark, um, cool thing is that I've, I started a program in Manhattan, a rowing program and one of the kids who became the captain of my team. He was, he was a kid who grew up, he had, he slept on the floor all his life. There's eight kids living in a one bedroom apartment and he joined our team and he was special. Uh, but he's rowing for Mark Mandel at Williams college, you know, my coach, wow. you know what I mean? It's just a beautiful thing, you know, to, to, to send so many kids to college to row. Uh, but all, like, you know, now we're like, we have to start this pipeline every year. We need to send a kid to Williams, right? To row. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, but we're, we're all still very close. That's phenomenal. Oh. Thank you so much. Um, I know we're coming up on the 20 minutes. So thank you so much for your time. But I'm wondering if we can get everyone to smile, if you wouldn't mind, if we can take a screenshot with you, because like yes, Jandy said, this is our, um, you know, we met in November to announce your book. This is our first book club book. Uh, book club debrief. And so I think we just really raised the bar right here. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So if everyone wants to smile, I'll grab a screenshot. One, two, three.
to smiling. Great, thank you. And I'll be sure to tag people and send it along. No, thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, if you have more questions, you can friend me on Facebook or Instagram and follow you guys right back. And uh, we have a, I don't know if you, Laura, you heard about Recovery on Water. Um, yeah, awesome program, rowing program in Chicago for breast cancer survivors. And um, we do a lot of work huh. together. Um, and the, I don't know, there's a part in the film where we went to row and you saw all these women clapping. Those were um, the breast cancer survivors mm-hmm. rowing club that we work really closely with in Chicago to just make it a better place through the sport of rowing. Yeah. Uh, so I feel a connection with you all and, and, and just understand that, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and, and, and use your story to, to make an impact. And I think me and the guys use our stories, right. And we can't go and change it, but we know we can use it to, to, to bring hope. And, Absolutely. I that, you know, as I would end by saying mm-hmm. that, you know, for me, like looking at MLK, you know, I, I don't think about his career as a, 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 a preacher, but a person who brought hope to the world. And Harriet Tubman, whose career was a union spy, but she's known for her freedom, right? And, and I mentioned like Gandhi, who's this attorney, right? But we all know him for bringing peace to the world. When we can represent something bigger than ourselves, right? In, in our career and, and, and really tell the stories that, lo- that lives in us and get it out there somehow, that it really brings forth change that we need like never before. And so, again, uh, thank you all. I appreciate it. And uh, please, I'd love to be in touch with you all. Thank you so, so much, Arshe. Thank you, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. so cool. That was very, very cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys, for the best Christmas gift. Thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. If you would like to find out more about our organization and upcoming events and ways to connect, you can find out more by visiting our website at survivingbreastcancer.org. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast is from personal experiences, and it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, feel free to contact me directly at laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. And of course, we have a couple social media handles you can follow us at as well. For example, Surviving Breast Cancer Org, all one word, as well as our podcast specifically, Breast Cancer Conversations. Until next time, keep on thriving.